and welcome to the season roundup episode of the Final Lap Podcast. After seasons of up and downs, exploding tyres, not exploding races, and Roman Grosjean definitely not signing for McLaren, we're going <laughs> to run down the last race of the season, catch up on all the latest news, and finally wrap up the season by covering some of its best and worst parts in our Final Lap review. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by the effervescent ray of, se- of Celtic sunshine that is my wonderful co-host, Sean Gray. Thanks for that lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, I've written it down and everything. Uh, <laughs> and I'm waiting for me. <laughs> I'm waiting for my title. <laughs> uh, and joining us tonight, as you can hear, the Formula One equivalent of throwing darts at a barn door blindfolded and still missing, it's our very special <laughs> guest, Dean Glass. How's it going, everybody? Yay, we got a how's it going. <laughs> That's all I got so, on the show for, to be honest with you. It's good to, it's good to be back. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, apologies for the uh, slight lack of uh, output from us us all. We've been variously without internet, illness, um, a home. um, Studies as well. Studies. A lot of stuff going on for us, but uh, we've managed to corral ourselves together to get this this season review episode in the bag, so to speak. The most active I've ever been in the Formula 1 season turns out to be the time that we've taken a little break because of all that (laughs) shit happening. (laughs) That sounds about right for everybody, I think. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, let's start off uh, the season-ending uh, podcast. Season-ending podcast. Season-ending podcast with uh, a quick recap, if we can all remember vaguely what happened, of the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, you will get no points for remembering that Sebastian Vettel won it because that's <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it's pretty much just been the story of this season, really. I was going to say that's about all I can remember, but. <laughs> Did Lewis get second and third place in this race? Am I picking the race before? No, Mark Webber was second. Oh, shit, yeah. I actually remember talking about that with uh, the other half. Because he's a big Mark Webber fan. Vettel, uh, yeah, Vettel beats Webber in Webber's last uh, Grand Prix of his career. And Fernando Alonso was third for the Ferrari. That was the top three. Um, memorable probably for being the only slightly damp race of the uh, of the entire season. Um, difficult to say yeah. wet since it didn't really. Re- they, did they actually? No, they didn't go on to inters, did they during the race? No, it, it, uh, the rain threatened and threatened and threatened, and it was just not quite coming. I, was, I remember watching and hoping and hoping, but it just didn't. Like little spots on the camera every now and again, but just wasn't quite going to burst through and give us that uh, classic Brazil weather that we've come to come to love over the years. <clears throat> no. It's a shame because it might have spiced up a little bit because as it was, I think Vettel was uh, pretty comfortable in the end. Well, yeah. It was, um, it wasn't quite the absolute um, domination since um, Nico Rosberg managed to lead at least two corners uh, <laughs> of the race. <laughs> the first or best. Um, which uh, yeah probably counts as a as as well as a point one really for for most of the F1 drivers these days. Um, but... We also seen a, a big engine blowout from Roman Grosjean, which you don't see as often as you used to. Proper big uh, big smoke coming out the the rear end of that Lotus. Who was it who just had their foot through the smoke? Somebody just went fuck it. I can't see what's going on. Whatever I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet it at 200, 200 kilometers an hour rather than slowing down. To no, I'm not sure, but it sounds like San Fernando Alonso would do. 
I think that sums up the entire season for Ferrari. Fuck it and just drive. <laughs> See what it leads to. A real shame for Grosjean though, because uh, he's he had excellent performances in the last six six or seven races of the season. So it's a shame that he couldn't score on the final race of the of the season. But I'm sure as we'll cover when we move on to driver lineups, it didn't harm. Uh, sorry, yeah. but big go fuck yourself to McLaren. Big go. <laughs> I mean, he does great races. Why do you not just pick him, McLaren? I hope you fucking die and perish as a Formula One company. No, no. Dean, Dean's the only man in the, I'm going to say, Northern Hemisphere that expected Roman Grosjean to go to the McLaren. Enough to it put, enough a, to put was... money on it. That's the beautiful part. This is why I've retired from betting ever since. Well, a correction, this is why the other half has encouraged me not to put such random silly bets on ever again if it's from uh, sports to Formula One. You're saying Formula One's not a sport, Dean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was trying to like get everything, like football, wrestling, and Formula One, but um, yeah, fuck you, McLaren. I'm kind of praying that Ross Braun comes back with his own uh, Formula One company and then just destroys them. I'm sure we'll talk about... I'm sure you could put Ross. 10 pounds on it if you want, Dean. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, shame for Grosjean because he'd had a really good end to the season, but thankfully, as I'm sure we'll cover later, it didn't harm him in getting a drive next year as he's been retained by Lotus. Indeed. Uh, not much else I can think of. I'm just, uh, I'm just reminding myself of the vague things that happened. Um, I, there was I a... can only think of one thing, and that's Vettel winning. Well, the other... <laughs> the most obvious thing. <laughs> other than Grosjean's engine exposing, there was, of course, the um, unsightly, slightly disappointing um, drive-through penalty for Felipe Massa um, on his last yeah, Ferrari the... Grand Prix for crossing a white yeah, line. Yeah, because he definitely could have challenged for a podium, which is a real shame. He it would have been nice to see him get a podium in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Um, Massa was decidedly unhappy with it. Um, replay seemed to suggest that he was indeed dipping his his tyres out, but um, uh, I wonder if you really sat there and, and watched the whole entire race from that one camera angle, whether you could have picked up other drivers yeah i don't believe for a times. second that Massa was the only guy doing that i mean that's been going on at interlagos for, for and forever you know well the interesting thing was on the final lap um vettel did it um and we uh, sort of popped it up on twitter and stuff and um people were pointing out that um Massa had received two verbal warnings beforehand so he got done for the third offense yeah and i was just like well do we definitely know that Vettel didn't didn't get any other reprimands or didn't do it? I, I guess we don't really. We just have to assume. The, the problem when is, has been. I'm oh, sorry, Sean. Sorry, do you know when you go? The problem is, I think, with certain things like that, and I'm only speaking from a historical context, as with the whole politics sort of thing, because you'll get like people out there that are conspiracy theorists that think, oh, Vettel's being protected by the powers that be. I mean. Um, Perfect example was uh, was it Senna and what's his face Prost? And then Prost. <laughs> yeah, only only two of the greatest Formula One drivers ever <laughs> in the history of sport. Dean, don't worry about remembering their names. <laughs> I remember I remember Senna. Give me credit for that's like going. That's genuinely like going. Oh yeah, yeah. Macho, macho man and that other guy Hulk. Hulk someone. <laughs> 
Terry, this wasn't is, he? What, <laughs> this is what happens when I get Nicky Wilder and uh, Alan Pross mixed up in Rush when I've seen the trailer. Uh, I was like, oh wait, shit, that's not Alan Pross, that's Nicky Wilder. Nothing about Nicky Wilder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sean has to stay away from talking about the... Um, yeah, but, uh, um, actually, the only thing that's worth talking about Nicky Lauder, and I don't know if either of you guys saw this... Um, it was something like um, TMZ or some entertainment magazine had a brilliant photo where David Beckham was visiting the Mercedes garage. <clears throat> and there's a and picture then... of David Beckham stood next to Nicky Lauda, which they'd titled, David Beckham meets an elderly fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Nicky Lauda. So that's, that, Nicky Lauda's new nickname in the paddock is the elderly fan. <laughs> no, he's only a four-time world champion, lads. Don't worry about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Uh, I was trying. I was trying to use those examples uh, hilariously as I do always about the whole politics of F1 and the debates of politics and the powers that be and protecting certain drivers of F1 and whether or not it still happens with the contemporary scene. I think it happens less so now than it did in the past. You, you absolutely okay. cannot deny in the past um, the FIA president wielded a lot more personal power than they do now because everything is decided by committee and subcommittee and blah blah blah. Um, and everything gets voted on. So the FAI president really is just somebody who is the person who goes out, stands in front of the cameras and says, this is what we're going to do now. He doesn't necessarily make that decision on his own. Yeah, it's just a figurehead nowadays. Yeah. It's not like... Uh... <laughs> it's Jack Tunney, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. John Todd is Jack Tunney, whereas... John uh, sure. Bellesta was, was, uh, is Vince McMahon. McMahon. <laughs> yeah. But... Um... Yeah, if that was the case now, Ferrari would be the world champions with Jean Todt there. Well, absolutely. I, I, I think that does kind of prove it, really. If it, if Ferrari were getting any, any favours, they certainly didn't get any this season um, with their man nope. in charge. Oh, um, interesting side note. I don't know if anybody's seen this. Jean Todt is again president of the FBI. Yeah, FBI ran unopposed. Uh, given the rule changes that happened in the last couple of weeks, I feel like I probably should have went on against him. <laughs> I think we're going to talk about these changes like later on during the uh, podcast, but with the ones that I've heard, I just got three words. What the fuck? Indeed, we will we will cover them in slightly more more detail later on. But I think what the fuck? I think that they were the phrase I lo- most liked uh, attributed to them was um, the FIA answering questions that nobody was asking. <laughs> so one man that benefited from Felipe Massa's. Uh, question apparently was Jensen Button who managed to get fourth place in the McLaren which I think is best, the best, best, per- result, the best result for the season yeah um, absolutely and it was uh, it was such a good drive by Jensen um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that just as a McLaren fan you got to look at somebody who people say you know oh, he can only drive a car that really suits him and he can't do this and he can't do that well he took a McLaren that you know all season has been a dog um, in dic- difficult tricky conditions absolutely made the most out of what his car could give him um, and took it beyond cars which are clearly uh, better than him uh, or better than his car so um, I was I was super impressed and super happy for him to uh, to, to do that on the uh, the final lap yeah I, I completely agree uh, Jensen I've been one of his bigger cracks over the years but it was a, it was a good drive from him and I've, come, I've certainly come around to Jensen Button a lot more in the last couple of years, despite him driving for McLaren. So I think you can't... He, he's the last of a breed, isn't he, really? A, a bit like Weber, <clears throat> in terms of F1 drivers with proper personalities. Yeah, he does have a personality, he does. And I, I, I do like that about him. That's one thing that doesn't dear me to him. 
So uh, uh, back to Brazil, <laughs> if we must. Had, uh, um, other, uh, I can't, uh, can't remember, but we Not one thing I, d I did completely forget to to cover um, was the brilliant sight of Lewis Hamilton driving into Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> oh yeah, and Bottas's wheel comes off, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Fires and, away across the track. Have Williams set a record for most wheels coming <laughs> off in a single season? <laughs> we've had more wheels on the track than we've had cars. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Bottas ended up retiring. Lewis stayed in the race, ended up finishing ninth after taking a pit stop at the end of that. I mean, he was given a penalty as well for causing a collision, which I guess another one that you could probably debate. I, I initially thought that it was um, it was more Bottas. Um, but it, it, it's a bit of a Hamilton thing because it's not the first time he's done that either, where he's just decided he's going to wander back back across assuming that whoever is there isn't going to be there he didn't make any check it was a bit like um uh was it when he ran into jensen as well doing the same thing where they were or they were coming across who the fuck has just undone their flies jesus christ <laughs> stop touching yourself oh dude <laughs> yes, because uh, the talk of wheels uh, coming off and all that from Williams turns me right on and gets my flight out. Mate, what you do to letterboxes means that I don't rule anything out. You don't hear them complaining about it. <laughs> what, the letterboxes? The inanimate the... objects. Okay. <laughs> it, it, they, may, they may see themselves unscrewing and fall off in disgust, but you don't really get much more than that. That's absolutely that, plenty. That's like that's like the loud box version of suicide, pretty much. So I think pretty much get, I had to get a new one for Christmas. I don't, know, I don't know how long that one's gonna Stop last. Stop talking about your fucking loud box, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's really freaky. Uh, <laughs> on pets after the incident, and then also. Has a drive-through, therefore his race is pretty much ruined from then on in. <laughs> but what it did do was, um, of course, Sebastian Vettel probably the first piece of drama he's had for the last nine races in that um, Red Bull weren't sure whether it was going to be a safety car or not because the cars were fairly close to the track. So they pulled in Vettel, but they'd already been waiting for Mark Webber to come in. So Vettel pulls into the garage, and they suddenly look down at the tyres in their hands. And they've all got blue straps on them, saying that they're all Mark Webbers. So they have to yep. leg it inside, bring out all of Vettel's tyres. Um, and amazingly, they managed to still double stack them probably quicker than it took for Williams to do a pit stop uh, at the moment. Um, and that was that was as close as we got to Sebastian Vettel messing things up, and it was still wasn't yep. his, it still wasn't his fault. The only the only thing that let after that had any question mark on it was would Vettel slow down and let Mark Webber get a victory in his final ever race in Formula 1 and the only answer to that is well he fuck it's <laughs> <laughs> a shame no in a way it was a question no that probably again it was a question that didn't require an answer because we knew what it was already so Vettel takes a reasonably comfortable victory Webber second good result for him in his last race but a bit of a shame that he didn't get a win I'm no Mark Webber fan but it was a shame that he didn't get a win before leaving yeah um, although we did get the awesome sight of him um, undoing his hands device and taking off his helmet as he as he drove into the pits which um, was uh, very brave considering that Pastor Maldonado was still driving around at that point <laughs> extremely brave <laughs> um, yeah there's a, I can, there's a picture of that 
I can see a picture of that right now. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, again, it's one of those, it's one of those moments you just probably won't ever really see again because, do you know what I mean? Um, you, you don't. Nobody see has it. a personality. No. Um, Vettel's win did um, mean that he draws level now with um, the very great Alberto Ascari in terms of consecutive race wins. Um, Uh, He's equaled Schumacher's record of 13 in one single calendar year, yep. one single season. Uh, he's now got the most in one season as well, but um, a lot of people have pointed out that um, it, when people like Ascari were racing Grand Prix, there were only nine like Grand Prix in a season, so to get like 13 in a row or whatever it was um, w was nearly impossible. Whereas if you've got yeah. 22 races a year, you don't even have to win half of them to, you know, to tie with the top or whatever it is. So it's kind of, it's the same with points, isn't it? Like Vettel um, scored the, the most amount of points anybody's ever scored in an F1 season. But not only if you compare, again, number of races and the points for a win. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's like Fernando Alonso's record of most points score. Yes. Exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> So, uh, any other any other honourable mentions from the Brazilian Grand Prix? We had uh, Perez on his final race for McLaren, getting sixth. Another he's had a good last few races of the season, Perez actually. But it, uh, well, but, well, I think we'll get to that news later on. But it's obviously uh, it obviously was worth the effort um, on that point of view. Uh, uh, Nico Hulkenberg, uh, another solid ride, and, eight. and uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, before moving on to Red Bull, where the points finish as well. Heike Heike Heike. 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 Are you going to say, Dean? Mm. No, I was just going to make a little mention of uh, Daniel Carter, but finish up uh, first, Sean. Yeah, we should, we should mention Heike, shouldn't we, on his... Um, yeah, uh, Heike... Might be his last ever race, who knows. Uh, <laughs> 14th, but we still love him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fucking Maldonado was uh, 16th, really showing... Uh, Showing those suitors out there why they should sign him up. <laughs> no. Was it Maldonado in the qualifying that got knocked out in the first round? It was. Well, so I at the same time, lambasting his team for deliberately crippling one of their own cars just to make him look bad. Yeah. Mm. I remember watching the qualifying at work and then laughing because Maldonado failed to get into the second round. <laughs> as uh, as uh, podcast listeners will know, my, my hatred and dislike for Pastor Maldonado is uh, an ever-increasing and growing <laughs> theme along the, along the shows. Uh, I'm sure we'll discuss that very shortly as we move on to the Lotus Driver lineup. But uh well, that, I was going to say... Um, let's, that's probably the next logical step. Well, let's just uh, wrap up of the Brazilian Grand Prix. Good race, bad race? Uh, average really race. See, yeah, I didn't see anything, but there was nothing real stand out. But there's a quick mention with uh, Daniel Ricciardo to, you know, of uh, making the big step up to Red Bull. It's, it was a kind of the race he had to do to uh, reassure everyone, uh, all the Red Bull fans out there, that he is ready for becoming the... Uh, next driver with Vettel. I thought it was impressive with him. I don't think it really matters because, well, admittedly, with the regs next season, who knows what will happen. But if, if, if it was Ricardo going into this year's Red Bull with this season regulations, God, fucking, you could put Charles Peak in that Red Bull and it would probably still win the Constructors' <laughs> Championship. So You could probably put myself in the that Red Bull and still win the Constructors' Championship. 
The pressure isn't uh, as great on Ricardo going to Red Bull than say Bianchi going in a Ferrari where where they're where they're chasing. I, I don't think anyway, personally. No, I don't think there's any pressure on him, but you know I think it's, I think, it's I one think, of those races where it's like, alright, this kid looks like he's gonna be one for the future and impressive. You know, because you know Vettel's going to score so many points and the car's going to be so good that that they can give him time to bed in. Yeah. Whereas if you were going to say, say like Perez going to McLaren, they were one instant success. Um, anyway. Uh, what what yeah. we want to line up for next year. That was, uh, <laughs> that, that was Brazil. Uh, as Andrew was saying, good race, bad race. I would say it was an okay race. Uh Disappointing that we didn't see a different winner than Sebastian Vettel as ever, but it was a decent race in the sense that because the rain was maybe going to come, was it, it kind of kept you interested, is it going to happen now, is it going to happen now, and then at the end you were inevitably left disappointed that it didn't come, but at least, you know, throughout it, there was something to keep an eye on. It made it feel at least a little bit tense, like it wasn't a foregone yes. conclusion. Like uh, but yeah, just... Uh, it was okay. It wasn't anything spectacular. No, I'd have to agree with you on there. Not the greatest Brazilian Grand Prix ever, but a, a, a fun watch at least. Uh, and Alagos is one of my favourite favorite tracks as well, so, you know, I automatically do quite enjoy it. I love watching the cars go through the last turn and onto the straight. It's a great corner. Unless it's 2008 and your team will block, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the question of sport tonight. Uh, that, that bit with Glock and fucking James Allen's commentary, I think it is, going, is that is that Lewis going ahead of Glock? And I was like, yes, it fucking is. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, moving yeah. on from the final race of the season, we should finalise as many of the driver lineups for next year as we possibly can. Um, so I think we can finalise them all apart from Sauber now. Um, Mauricio and Caterham uh, technically haven't. Oh, fuck. But, uh, <laughs> Those could be virtually any drivers you can pick off the street if anybody from Mauricio cares, and Caterham. Yeah. <laughs> let, let us know. Gives a fuck. <laughs> we'll save those, shall we? We'll save her on those lineups until they're confirmed. Um, I got a funny feeling the rest is going to go to one of them. Got a funny feeling. That's all I'm saying nah. about that. No, I, don't, I think he's going to... He'll either go back to DTM or IndyCar. Yeah, he'll, I agree. Because... Dario Franchitti will get him a drive in the US somewhere, I think. And if not, he'll go back to DTM, which he was very successful at before he got into Formula 1. It's just fucking ridiculous that that situation's happened. Uh, the fact that Maldonado, and for anybody who <laughs> hasn't, been, hasn't been following the news, I, I, I break it to you with a very heavy heart, has signed for Lotus. I thought... In the last couple of months, these rumours couldn't possibly be true. But alas, Maldonado will partner team leader Roman Grosjean next season. Now, I'll admit, and I've said the last few weeks, I'm becoming a bit of a Roman Grosjean man. And I'm so pleased that he's going to get a chance to lead the team next season okay. after his stunning performances in the last five or six Grand Prix of this year. Think, think about the alternative of that then, which is Pastor Maldonado leading the Lotus team next season. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maldonado, honestly, isn't even good enough for a fucking caterham. And and yet he's in a car that has won Grand Prix this season. It's just ridiculous. No, it's it's useless. Plus, the 20 million sponsorship that he'll bring will be used up within the first three races as they have to entirely replace his race car after, <laughs> after qualifying and practice each time. <laughs> no, 
It won't even it won't even fucking get that far because they'll have to give it to Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> it must be some sort of South American uh, drug cartel that's sponsoring Maldonado to uh, get somehow get the money so they can get signed up. It's the Venezuelan be... government. He's it public is. funded. He properly is. He's funded by uh, PDVSA, which is the um, Venezuelan government oil subsidiary. In other words, he's the only kind of recognised uh, sportsman from Venezuela that they're desperate to keep in the public scene. Pretty much. Fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah, that's about that, really. That's <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it would be a, be a bit like if Jensen Button was sponsored by British Gas, uh, I think is the closest comparison I can think of. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but the, yeah. So Maldonado will go in at Lotus uh, after Massa and uh, Bottas were confirmed at Williams. So Raikkonen to Ferrari, Maldonado to Lotus, Department Grosjean, and then it gets a little bit interesting with a Force India Sauber triangle. I mean, it all suddenly seems well. It's it's Force India's decision that. Um... Not only were they, um, n- you know, they were just not going to retain either of their drivers, which is such a strange step for a team which um, are kind of top of the midfield, really. You'd assume that they'd they'd want to retain some stability season to season so that they can, you know, monitor the improvement of the car. It seems... You can, under- you can understand them taking back Hulkenberg because... He's oh, yeah. Been- yeah. He's without doubt, like... He's probably, he's he's a top four or five team. He's he's yeah. he's potential world champion talent. I yeah. think. It's... So if he becomes available, you you take it. It's kind of like I don't know Schneider going to Galatasaray. Like no, no the other team, the big teams in the world didn't take Schneider for just a, a varying circumstances, and he ended up going to a slightly lesser team just to get regular action. It's like that. Hulkenberg, we all know, is good enough for a bigger team, but it just hasn't worked out this season. So he'll go to Force India and show what he can do, and then move on. The, you're right. It's the decision to then also replace De Resta with Sergio, with Sergio Perez. Perez no. you have to, <laughs> there isn't a lot. It's, it's, it's a strange one. I mean, I like Perez a lot, but I don't think I don't think there's enough gap in talent between Perez and De Resta, if any at all, to justify breaking the breaking up the stability of that team. Plus, I think if you're um, realistically, if you um, if you want to say there's any gap in talent, as far as I'm concerned, it's um, the other way from, about. You know, Perez is behind Duressa in terms of racecraft. I don't doubt that Perez has speed <clears throat> and can overtake, but I don't think the boy's got racecraft. And he seems to have been almost given the the idea that he's got quality of racecraft because he had those few races for Sauber where he didn't chew up his tyres, but. Um, he didn't do that this season for McLaren. Do you know what I mean? He didn't look Lest after his tyres this season in a car that chewed them up. So, what? <laughs> I think it might have been the car guys. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How old is Perez? Young, uh, very young. 20... He's younger than the rest of Do you think it's just a similar case with Red Bull? Hulkenberg's going to get them the points and then just let Perez develop? No. no. I think what Force India have decided to do is what they want is a dynamic team pushing one another to try and score points. Um, which means that... I must... reckon it's going to work. Well, I, think I, it... I don't think... Uh, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that that team is not going to score points. But what, what I am saying is that you had Dresda and Sutil 
one of those people pretty much outscored his teammate two to one. Why would you get rid of both of those guys? Why not? Why wouldn't you retain at least one of them to help develop the car from what it is now to what it could be, knowing the faults of the previous car? And then, if you want to get rid of them after that season, when the car's been matured a year with your other driver, then you can, because you've got somebody, again, who knows the characteristics of the 2014 car. I just... It baffles me. They might... They might be thinking, uh, because they held Hulkenberg just a year ago, that they can afford to to get rid of get rid of both of them because Hulkenberg admittedly has been out the car for a year while it's been at Sauber will still know the team they might also I suppose could be looking at it as it's such a big regulation change next year that the, that the stability of having driver from the year before might not be as important to them I don't know I'm just throwing out ideas here eh? it's a possibility I mean with, again the regulations and stipulations which we'll go on to later on that may very well be a part or they might just think that Hulkenberg's so good that that you know they don't that he'll he can he can carry the team essentially. I think I think it's slightly like that because if you compare it to like Sassuto and the rest to Hulkenberg, which one in a force in the car do you think is going to give him the better of a chance of uh, points on a regular basis? And you kind of have to incline to say Hulkenberg. Sure, but there's a second seat in that team. What what we I think what we're both suggesting is that you would have Hulkenberg and Deresta as the team that was their lineup a couple of years ago though so they might just i don't know not but not, the, not the interesting thing about that lineup compared to this year's is that the two guys were pretty equal whereas this year deresta has been better than suto on top of the fact he's you know he, he nearly doubled his points tally and he had at least five really shit races in the middle of the season and you know suto still couldn't bridge the gap yeah so it's just like <clears throat> okay it leads to the more interesting question then as to why has Satil gotten a drive at Sauber? Well, that, <laughs> that absolutely blows my fucking mind. Um, Unless it's a sponsorship issue. Well, this is the thing. I was, I was thinking, um, why? Sittel's not known. In fact, he said before that he's he's not a pay driver, isn't he? In the, in the sense that he doesn't bring sponsorship. He brings speed. That's why he missed out on a couple of seasons. Because he wasn't going anywhere where he had to pay. So why does Salbert, who have had some of the worst financial troubles of any team, you know, on the grid bar probably HRT, um, want to sign him up for? I just don't get it. Well, it's hard to explain. Sorry, Dingo. It is hard to explain because. Well, tell me, Dean. I'm asking you the question. Answer me. It's like asking what the meaning of life is with Sauber signing suit. Oh, it really is. <laughs> yeah. it's, they're, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna confirm Gutierrez as their second driver, and as we know, he'll bring some sponsorship money with them. So they're probably looking at it that way. That they've got one pay driver, one non-pay driver. So that's fine. But then why then would you opt for Sattel over Deresta? That's the curious question. Whereas every man in the Grand has been rating Deresta for years. Over and who, I mean, how often did you hear, oh, Deresta, that guy's got a lot of potential, he can maybe go to a big team. All the time. Nobody ever said that about Adrian Sattel. <laughs> People were quite surprised that Force India took him on this season. Sattel's the archetypal never-going-to-be man. Like, he's, 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 I like Sattel a lot, but he's never going to be in a Ferrari or a McLaren or a Red Bull, is he? No. He's not going to bring points. He's not a first driver, is he? He's not your... 
He's not the guy you bet the farm on. No, absolutely. I'd rather, I'd rather have Sean as a lead driver compared to uh, Sutil. <laughs> anyway, the, the, an interesting thing is going back to Force India. Perhaps that because they're having to pay Nico, surely Perez will be bringing sponsorship. Oh, with Perez, Perez don't oh, yeah. he brings in... Um, <clears throat> I always want to call him Slim Jim, but I don't mean Slim Jim. Slim Garcia. Uh, so, so you know, perhaps they couldn't afford to rest that and Hulkenberg. That's the only one thing well, I would say. Well, you know, it, it, um, it is possible. But, um, I mean, what, Slim Garcia is the richest guy in the world, isn't he? Uh, he is, yes. Yeah. So, so, and, you I know, mean, they've got Mercedes engines, haven't they? They, they might have. Um, but the interesting thing was that uh, Vijay Malia said that... Um, there was no commercial aspect into the driver lineup. Everyone's going to say that though, because they don't want to appear to yeah. be a sellout. Well, yeah, true. But yeah, other yeah. but other teams have said. I mean, it's a good, I mean and Lotus have said, didn't they? Lotus literally said, <laughs> we're, we're "We'd rather have Hulkenberg, but we can't ignore the fact that Pastor Maldonado brings twenty odd million pounds with him when he turns up in a, rocks up in our team." Probably well, because they know they don't support. A, there's not a lot of Lotus fans in general. Hulkenberg scored fifty times the amount of points Pastor <laughs> Maldonado did this season. And, uh, now, 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 obviously the Williams hasn't been great, but you're trying to tell me that the Sauber is a fifty times better car than the Williams. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's genius. I love that. That's brilliant. Fifty times. I am fifty times better than you, Pastor. Fuck well, you. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. Gutierrez. Gutierrez scored six points. Bottas scored four points. So yes. the two rookie drivers in those teams, not a lot between them. The two lead drivers, <laughs> 50 pounds. The evidence does not lie. The jury fucking has decided. Uh. Maldonado is a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, 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 it, it matters, though, because the, imagine Maldonado didn't get the drive. Then it matters greatly because then Hulkenberg goes to Lotus... The rest that keeps his drive at Force India. Well, unless Force India signed bloody Maldonado, but wow, you would hope. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> unless unless, unless Salva signed Maldonado for his sponsorship money. See, that's what I would think. Salva would be the more likely destination because if they got Perez, they've got the sponsorship money off Perez from the richest guy in the world. Whereas Salva kind of needs the money for any slim chances of making and developing a better car. They can get that with Maldonado's. Uh, Sponsorship money. I think I think what would have happened is if Malnado didn't go to Lotus, Hulkenberg would have. Force India would have still taken Perez, and they would have just had the rest out in Hulkenberg's spot because they would be paying Hulkenberg, they'd be paying the rest out, there'd be no issues there. Mm-hmm. And then Sutil can still go to Sauber, and and pass him out on another doesn't get a job. One. Fuck him. <laughs> Don't you. Well, yeah, the rest, the rest I can blame Pastor Maldonado for his F1 career downfall, that's all I'm saying. However, as you rightly pointed out earlier, Megs, Dario Franchetti, being in the car, just retired this season, will almost certainly have something lined up for his boy, yeah. the Resta, should he want it. And he's good enough. He's good enough oh, for Formula oh, yeah, 1, which, definitely good enough which makes IndyCar. him more than capable in IndyCar or Champ Car or whatever it is that the that the single seat of Formula is in um, the US these days. I can never keep up. Um, yeah, was it kind of like... Uh, the rest of IndyCar, I might have a couple of pounds on him to win the world title over there because... Yeah? Yeah, definitely good enough. Did uh, Juan Pablo Montoya ever win the uh, Indy Championship? He did, he went back there. Didn't he? He is. He was in there before Formula One. He's been in NASCAR since he left F1. So, 
I'm not sure, to be honest. I can't tell you for definite. I thought he had won a world championship since he had left Formula One. I always thought he did. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll try and find out and get back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. But, uh, what <laughs> what else? <laughs> but yeah, it's like... Other, um, other news. The young driver is coming in next uh, season. Talk about them. Uh, with McLaren, with the... Uh, the Danish boy who his name I forgot, and the Russian dude that I can't pronounce his name. Because I sound like... Yeah, and Magnussen, yeah. Me and Megs have discussed them a couple of times over the last few weeks, and they certainly both look to be pretty interesting next season. McLaren obviously rate Magnussen highly, otherwise they wouldn't have put him in the seat, so he must have yeah. something about him. And that Kvyat has come from almost relative nowhere, so he must have something. Somebody must be seeing something in him. So. I mean, I heard, I heard his interview. I think it was the Brazilian qualifier, one of the other, like, near the last races. Um, talked about his development. You know, he's been living in England for so long, you know, just getting ready. And um, other kind of uh, commentators speaking about how this kid has got the potential if he gets his development and, you know, his, like, hit mentality right for the start of the next season. Because besides, how many times have we ever heard of a Russian driver? as well which could of course if he has a successful one could generate more interest in the russian market and that could be the next kind of big sponsorship deal uh, kid coming through well we've got the russian well, grand, we've got the russian grand prix next year haven't we that's it's interesting because or is it yeah it's, it's insane. Yeah. but it's just funny you mentioned russians because one rumor for the other cyber seat is actually vitaly petrov no yep no Yep. <laughs> if it isn't, he brings money as well. So that's the thing. Sauber obviously. Why would you be... have a fucking team of Adrian Suttle and fucking Vitaly Petrov? Like two of the most average drivers who have ever been in F1. Probably because they're sick themselves. Well, hey, we're <clears> going to be around the same position. Let's just. You they're going to need to pay Suttle. Yeah, they're obviously looking for a pay driver for the <laughs> but, other uh, but isn't that the most ridiculous thing? That you're paying Suttle, so you have to get him Vitaly Petrov. <laughs> And just to go back to your previous question, uh, Montoya won car, champ car, I think that is. Champ car, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So, and he's going to IndyCar next season, he's never, uh, like, yeah, he's going to the, the IndyCar series that Dario Franchetti has been in. Uh, so, yeah, let's hope, uh, I'd like to see Montoya do well, I like Montoya, so let's hope he does well in that. But... Yeah, if we're bringing Petrov, you have to question their... I mean, they've gone from having Hulkenberg, one of the highest-rated hot properties on the market, to two guys <laughs> who are just... They're not quite Maldonado levels you've got two, F1 you, You've got it, but, two guys in your team. Yeah, you've gone from having like Perez and Hulkenberg, the Perez's and Hulkenberg's in your team, to having two guys, one of whom is only really remembered because he stabbed somebody from Lotus in the neck, and the other guy is only remembered because he, he was so fucking slow... He allowed uh, Sebastian Vettel to win his first uh, world championship ahead of Alonso and Weber. Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, that's the one thing I can remember Petrov doing. So it, it's, it stinks of regression for Sauber, which is a shame because they've had such a solid end to the season. You kind of were, you kind of think that Sauber gradually become become like Mal Russia and Caterham, a team that's just there. No, they're, Sab- they're, they're, the infrastructure around Sauber is massively bigger than um, yeah. The, those I'm not disputing that, but just in terms of like public publicity-wise and like interest-wise, no, like- Sauber's just one of those teams 
people people like Selber and they like Peter Selber because he's he's managed to be a have that kind of privateer spirit in a in a very corporate world of F one these days. So I think um, you know there's a, there is a lot of general support for Selber as a team. Among, they also have a, they have a brilliant wind tunnel, so they'll be fine aerodynamically and stuff. Cyber, Cyber are always going to be where Cyber are right now. Like That's just their position on the map. And, and even signing guys like Sutil and Petrov, they'll probably have a, a average to poor season, but you know next season Gutierrez will turn out to be the new hot shot on the block or whatever, you know. And signing Sutil and Petrov for one season isn't going to be a long-term... I couldn't see team, that being... Team destroyer, no. essentially. <clears throat> but it, it might, it'll be a season destroyer if they fucking... <laughs> yes. That. So, moving from one WTF decision to another set of WTF decisions, <laughs> let's talk about um, the FIA and the copious amount of drugs they must have been smoking in the last couple of weeks. Must have stopped me. Jesus. Uh, the brain trust that is the uh, Formula One administration <laughs> have uh, come up with the great plan, and uh, we should we should stress at this point it's not set in stone. It, it it's only it's only on the possibility of going in, uh, and so so long as people everybody complains about it, which they are, it's not going to happen. Uh, double points for the last race of the season. Oh, stupid desperate move. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not even a big like, I don't watch all Formula 1 races. I'm going to probably try and get as much as I can back into it for 2014 because there's some like stuff that I'm actually generally interested in watching about. But Jesus Christ. I mean, does that not, is it just me or is that a scream desperation? Come watch us in the last season. There may be a, a title change in the last race. Fuck off. Jeez. <laughs> Well, the, the best bit about that, in general, was um, when they looked back at the last ten years, I think, or something, um, that it would have only changed the results in three world championships. It's one of the most pointless things. <clears throat> I get they want to change some things up to stir things up in some interest. I understand that. It's kind of natural of every sports, uh, well, every sport, I should say, pardon me, but there's some days where... There's some stipulations which will work out for the bear in a long-term interest of Formula 1, and there's other pr- propositions like this, which is like, you really should have been smoking that when you suggested that, really. Um, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Abu Dhabi has the... <laughs> that is exactly I was just about to say, I wonder how much oil money has gone into making yep. that decision. Oh, fuck, nobody, nobody likes watching our race because it's done as shit. But fuck it, double points. Double points yep. for everybody. Abu Dhabi has went. I say Abu Dhabi, like not like the fucking Congress or whatever, but the, whoever's whoever's funding the uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the sheikhs, they've they've went they've went to Bernie. Oh, this is this is me with my tinfoil hat on. They've said, oh, we will give you an extra thirty billion this year if we uh, if you have double points in the last race uh, to try and make it more exciting for us and stuff and get fans and all that kind of shit. And Bernie's obviously seen the dollar signs light up and went, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> the thing is, there's so many better things you could do to get fan interest, and uh, not just the uh, United yeah. Arab Emirates. Not and go to Abu Dhabi. Yes, <laughs> well, you could. I mean, uh, what's wrong with some making Formula One and so, like all races a bit more with fan interaction? 
What's wrong with that? Or did it that way? The problem with or these do like the old like These countries where they built tracks. Korea is another great example of having fallen off the calendar this year because nobody was attending because how many South Korean Formula One drivers do you know? How many South Korean Formula One teams do you know? Same with Abu Dhabi. This is you can't force a sport on a country where it has no history. So it's all very good building a track there and funding it with oil money, but it's not got any history and heritage and the public don't give a shit. So they'll just yeah. be a handful of very rich people and it's literally like their symmetric strip set. I mean, was it Abu Dhabi or Bahrain that got the night race when that was first introduced? In Singapore, Singapore there's not a, a night race. Abu Dhabi is going to be turned into a night race, isn't it? That's what they want to do. I'm absolutely not looking forward to that. Well, I think I, I think, think it could look amazing, but it will still be a shit race. I think I, I don't like the way the night races look. You've like got to be the, the only winner. person in the world that thinks yeah. that. Everybody thinks that the cars look amazing under <laughs> under night. It's just that they're all on Dhabi, crap tracks. <laughs> Abu Dhabi's probably going to have the money to make it visually look stunning, but like you said, Sean said, it may not bring enough local fans in. But uh, yeah, there's, 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 there's about ten people there, and they're all just shades. <laughs> it's a desert. Probably, Dean, there's camels. That's, that's all there is there. They probably go into primary schools and houses in the United Arab Emirates and pay them to buy an F1 ticket. It's like there's the money. They have schools the in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just like give you your certificate on the spot. I think you could apply for it. You stay in Abu Dhabi. They probably just pay them and just say like, there's the tickets. Just go out and. Just make believe and you're having as fun. As soon as you can do yeah. any spot welding, you're building a skyscraper in Abu Dhabi. That's basically the entire economy <laughs> revolves around building fucking huge buildings for no apparent reason. The thing is, because of that, and it's like the, how insane they are with their skyscrapers and trying to like capitalize the place is why, is why I want to just see it, just to say I've seen it and how much. There's about a million just, people that live in Abu Dhabi. The population's about a million, so. Yeah, and I think how, this is, and the wealth, the wealth to <laughs> not wealth the, ratio is going to be fucking astronomical gap. The thing is, I'm not going to be surprised one single bit if, uh, and not, I wouldn't say the next couple of years, maybe five or, or ten years, Qatar gets a Grand Prix when that uh, new capital city is uh, finished. Absolutely, if Bernie's still alive, <laughs> which at this fucking rate is going to be, <laughs> might be in prison though. Qatar. Qatar might get a track. That, it wouldn't surprise me, especially with Russia being introduced. And it, like we say, we've only heard of, like, before uh, Kvyat, as uh, Petrov. And Petrov's not really a sports icon in Russia, or if he has, God help the Russians. I think he might be, by the way. <laughs> yeah, really? I would be highly unsurprised if... Uh... See, this is why I want the other Russian dude to be a, a good success in his first at Formula 1. At least that way he's got a bit of legitimacy. Fucking Vitaly Petrov, who... Drives like he's driving a Peugeot 107 when he's got an F1 car. It's like, just can just support him. Anyway, so, yeah, my main point was, <laughs> it would not surprise me whatsoever if there was an oil handshake regarding the double points thing and it's just a money-making scheme to get more money out of the Arabs, possibly. Just suggest that. I'm not saying that's true before, before I get sued, but that might be the case. <laughs> I will be amazed Excellent. if this gets passed. Interestingly, the very first person to come out and absolutely slate it was none other than everybody's favourite four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel. So that pleased me as much as I've slagged Vettel many times over many years. 
to see the world champion come out and immediately show a bit of personality and use words like horrified at the decision and it's a ter- terrible decision and stuff, that pleased me a lot because, you know... I think they, he had they to tend, do it. They tend to sit up and listen to the champions when they say things like that. So Exactly. Good for so Vettel. Good on for coming up. If, uh, if we get another couple of guys like Hamilton and Alonso come out and agree, then hopefully we can get away from this silliness. So uh, some other things coming out of the um, the working group. Uh, a cost cap will be introduced in 2015, although there were no details uh, given uh, of how that actually is going to work. because it's... That'd just be like, yeah, this is the maximum amount of money you could spend on a car. Yeah, but... It's completely impractical. Yeah. How how do you possibly audit that? Unimportable. And they've tried it in the past and it didn't work. And like I just. The problem I think they don't realize is I think they're trying to say all right in the interest of fairness. The problem is if you're wanting to develop engines and cars, new technology is going to cost skyrockets. It's just that's. We we did we touched on this before. Um, and you're completely right, Dean, that the cost of developing new things, especially because of FAI rule changes, is um, absurdly expensive. And we were talking about Sean and Alice on a previous podcast, and I like the idea that um, if if you have teams that have unlimited budgets or have a massively higher budget, they should have to share some of that t- technology down the stream to the other teams. The problem is they won't because they want it for themselves. Well, you can, so you that... can if you make them. Well, you can if you make them, but... Whether that will happen in the future, well, I mean, we've had double points and trying to get introduced for next season, so anything's possible with Formula thing, 1. The thing with the double points bullshit and the, uh, the uh, yeah, these, these new rules, is there's already technical regulations changing next season that has got people excited for the new season, so we don't need anything else. Like Andrew said, it's asking yeah. questions what? that weren't asked. What's them? Um, questions that weren't asked. Like, we were already... I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I don't really know much about the technical changes. I know there's big changes happening. What can you like? What do you say? What the technical changes are going to be, and what's going to make it good? Um, the biggest change uh, is the engines changing from uh, flat V8s to uh, V6 turbos. Oh, I remember <clears> something about that. Um, the... Basically, as well as they're going to be highly, highly focused on energy recovery. What the the technology that they're using cares. Is going to be amplified in the engine. So essentially, there's a, there'll be a secondary energy recovery system unit that continuously feeds power alongside the one that does curves, and that all has very very strict packaging regulations. Um, so people think that's going to affect Adrian Newey probably more than anybody else because he can't fiddle about with it as much as he has done in the past. Um, yeah. The front wing is going to be smaller. Um, yeah. They've, yeah, much smaller. They've made. Uh, some even more stupid rules regarding um, the minimum height of the nose of the car. Whilst yeah, it's the front of the car, so we're going to get those stupid step nose things. Well, it's again. it's well, it's worse. You've seen the you've seen the drawings. It's the cock nose. Is what we're going to. Oh hear. shit! It's that. Because what they've done is they said, well, the 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 height of the nose has to be. But we haven't told you how wide we ha- you have to make it. So they've just gone, that's fine, we'll just put this little protuberance off the front of the nose that goes goes down to the right height. Um, so yeah, we will have the flaccid penis F1 car next year. <laughs> so fucking stupid. I, I yeah, the, the, the thing about the, 
Sorry, I remember the season where they made the the wing like the front of the car like longer, from like the old school kind of. For I remember that. Um, from fuck, what year was that again? That was, I want to say about ten years ago when they changed the the wing on the cars, so that was a much longer. I remember that because they used the Eddie Jordan's um, car with the the old school yellow wasp as an example, uh, with the changes. But didn't they try to introduce uh, minimum pit stops and everyone told them to fuck off? They're still talking about the possibility of minimum pit stops. What the um, fuck's the point of that? Yeah, well, the so... reason they want to do that, and let's let's be clear about why that's being talked about, is to make Pirelli's life easier so that they can build a tyre that doesn't fall to pieces and explode and get shouted at. But the people still have to make pit stops. But it's ridiculous because it just means that everybody will pit on the same lap, so it makes no fucking difference whatsoever. Isn't that isn't that not so much the car and the, or the driver's fault, but more so Pirelli for saying Pirelli kind of test and like update your technology so that the wheels are a bit more endurable. But that, they only they only built wheels that fell apart because everybody that's what everybody asked them to do because everybody was sick and tired of putting Bridgestones on a car that lasted the whole entire race. It's becoming a bit it's becoming a bit of a dead horse that we're beating, but. Just bring back refueling. Yep. And the problem solved. I there's this is one of the things that I've had that's really got my nose about Martin Brundle, who I love. Martin, if you ever listen to this podcast, I love you. Um, you're a, a god amongst men. But your point about refueling being dangerous is bollocks because you can always make technology safer. Exactly. You could have the <clears throat> the car literally the moment the fuel nozzle touches where it goes in clutch goes in pull the fuel nozzle out wait a second <laughs> Sean burps and then <laughs> and then the clutch goes in so that even if it got stuck on the way out you know even if there was a slight hitch in it pulling out the car won't pull away the moment it's out of the thing the, the driver can't look in the rear view mirror and um, and guess when it's um, you know that it's time to go because the car literally won't go until the the technology has allowed for the you know the fuel nozzle to be removed. Well, you make it two seconds, and if that makes pit stops slower, too bad. But it, yeah. it means the strategy's better, which means the races aren't so bloody predictable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could have a team like Merck who rip their tires to shreds, but that's fine because they can they can fuel the car really light at the start of the race, knowing that they'll have to you know pit earlier and stuff. But they'll be so much faster than a you know, a red ball who's kinder on its tyres and has to make less pit stops. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't become so black and white. It annoys me when you can hear Ted Kravitz on the radio saying, so, for a two-stop strategy, they're going to pit between lap 23 and 25. Like, there's yeah. two laps difference. You know, there's two laps, between. you know, that this strategy can work on. There's no windows, no massive windows. You, you do this in these two laps or you do it in these two laps and your strategy is set in stone. Yeah, I agree completely. Absolutely. There's so much potential for excitement if they had refueling back in, you know, like especially with the current Pirelli specification tyres, especially with teams chewing them up quicker. Like you say, you're going to get teams coming out and doing five five uh, lap stints at the very start of the race and going absolutely flat out, trying to build gaps and stuff. It, it makes for so much more interesting ramifications instead of just them all tippy-toeing around. Plus it means the guys in the midfield can do lots of different things. <laughs> At the moment yeah. they go, well, I'm just going to try something different. You know, I'm in 10th, 10th, 11th place, I might as well put the other tyre on and see what happens come the end of the race. 
Whereas they could say, well, no, I'm going to start on the optimum tyre um, and go twice as hard as everybody else. I'm going to fuel myself for even less laps and, you know, have three or four tenths on everybody in the first laps and see how far ahead I can get of everybody and come out into clean air because the pack's all still bunched up, blah, blah, blah. It makes me, like, just just talking about it, it's like, oh, that sounds so good. Like, <laughs> can we not just please have that? <laughs> There you go. That's the, the first on-air orgasm for, for, for petrol refueling you've ever heard, folks. Instead, we're getting these shit like minimum pit stops and double points. And as someone, many people have said, it's just so gimmicky. It's the kind of thing that you get in in touring car. Next thing you know, Vettel will be starting from 10th on the grid because he won the previous race and stuff like that. It's just nonsense. Yeah, um, less of that shit, the better. You need, the more you do that, the it's, Get, the more uh, the legitimacy get, of the sport and the respect of the sport goes. Get rid of all the little silly things and just say, right, fucking go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> right. And uh, uh, pro- probably the last thing we should talk about news-wise um, is something that, um, after talking about Sean's little refueling orgasm, was probably the thing that made uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, ruin a pair of underpants. Pole position trophy. <laughs> Really? Point again? Well, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's a numbers game, isn't it, I guess? Who gets the most number of pole positions in a season? It's stupid, really, because it, it's the one you thing you don't need check. to give extra rewards for, is it? No, here's the thing. And if you're going to try and reward people for like giving it a go, why don't you say if they've got pole position and they keep it in first, why don't you just give them a bonus? Well, I don't, I, I don't uh, think that. I think you want to reward something. I would have rather that they did fastest lap. Why? I mean, if you're going to do that, why don't you just sound like the UFC does every race and go fastest lap goes to this best drive or... <laughs> I really thought that. you were going to say something. Why don't we do what the UFC does? Just put them all in the, all in the octagon and have them beat seven lumps at each other after every race. Whoever wins well, think, gets double points in the next race. <laughs> I think everyone's going to try and beat the shit out of Vettel if that was to happen. So they still learn his chances of not uh, competing next season. But no, if you're going to do something like that, why don't you just do like... You know, bet fastest lap, you cause us to go up first, second, third, or even something like a improved position finish, or how that would be titled that. Well, do something like that every race. Instead of just this whole, oh, you get a trophy for pole position, you didn't fucking win, but here's a trophy for trying. <laughs> nah, I don't care for things like trophies. I mean, what does it's it... It's fucking pointless. Let me, it's it's like, say, for really. example, if or myself... You know, I like, oh, I got ahead in practice. Like, here's a trophy for doing your best. I'd rather get a trophy for winning the bastard thing. It's like a fake trophy. But, but you do, Dean. No, That's... There's no... <laughs> but there's no... Like, there's no That's relevance the to point. the viewer. <laughs> this is the point. There's no relevance to the viewer who gets a trophy. Like, I, I may, I may, like they're not giving points for pole position. They should, you should reward... They're just, they're just giving someone a trophy of... at the end of the season that we won't see. So, who cares? Like... Yeah. Whereas, if you did a point for fastest lap and a point for pole position... Here's the thing as well, and this is, I think, the most common thing with Formula 1 is that the trophy's going to eventually go to the guy who wins the whole fucking world title. Well, yeah, exactly. So what's the point? I would do a point for fastest lap and a point for pole, and to me, that's the obvious solution. It's one of those things where I've kind of always wondered, why don't they do that? And... I've always thought, the more I'm, I'm I'm that I'm actually think, so. the more that I'm yeah. actually think they should do a most improved driver of the year. 
Well, they, I think they do at the, re- the award ceremony at the end of the Yeah, day. these are all just but meaningless awards, though, that mean nothing to the viewer. That's so. the only thing, it, that's the, you know, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Anyway, so shall um, we discuss the season in whole? Yes. Um, so I've, I've come up with a few um, quickie titles of um, best and worst things during the season. So what we'll do is we'll just go through and give our thoughts on them. Um, just to give ourselves a, a kind of... Not an award show, because that's a bit gay, but um, just, you know... I, I love doing awards. I'm all for a bit of awards. Okay, then we'll, we'll do some awards then. If you want to <laughs> you want to knock up the trophies and send them out, so that's not a problem. <laughs> just get one of those trophy stickers and just put it on a little fake certificate saying you got a final lap podcast award for such and such. Actually, maybe, I'll tweet, Unless... maybe I'll tweet whoever we... If we if we have a person for any of these things, we'll tweet, I'll tweet them. Well, if you're doing a go-fuck-yourself Hall of Fame, I'm expecting Sean's nominee to be Pastor Maldonado anytime soon. So... Oh, Pastor Maldonado is fucking... <laughs> he gets the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> I think that one... Lifetime Achievement Award for being a dick. <laughs> I yes. think that one was decided this year quite early on. So, um, so let's start our season review with um, something that might be quite difficult, given half of the season was pretty... <laughs> Pretty shit, but um, best race of the season. Um, I'm gonna need to get a list up quickly of all the races just so that I can remember what was what. I'm uh, going to give it to the only race I actually watched from start to finish this year. <laughs> that's, that's probably <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and that's the Jersey Grand Prix. The what? The what Grand Prix? Uh, New Jersey. <laughs> Wow, what? that was an amazing Grand Prix you watched. The one that wasn't on this year and isn't on next year. <laughs> which one was it? Which one was in America? Not um, Austin. Uh, Austin. Austin. <laughs> you can tell that my passion for Formula One is very visible in this episode. The the fact that I get the American locations completely wrong and non-existent. We need to have Dean on the show more, Sean. <laughs> we... no. Well, I'm going to give my uh, best race to the Austin Grand Prix. Apologies to everyone who I have offended who actually is from Austin, Texas and gives a fuck about Formula 1. But uh, it was the only race I watched. So, of course, Vettel won that from start to finish. So, easy. Um, Fair enough. What are you going for, Sean? I'm, 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 I'm not quite decided, but I think I might be giving it to the opening Grand Prix of the season in Melbourne. I have to say, I was torn between Australia and Hungary, I think, as being the ones that really because stick Or possibly um, the British Grand Prix. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of factors that that has got that has got me for, for Melbourne. Uh, it's automatically my, my favourite circuit. So there we go. It's already going to be in a, uh, a, a positive light. It's the opening Grand Prix of the season, so I'm always in a good mood watching it. It's an early morning race, which is always fun getting up. It was won by Kimi Raikkonen, who it's always great to see a Raikkonen victory. And, this is a little bonus, Pastor Maldonado spun off and retired. <laughs> so, I mean, all the positives are there. Uh, I'm really bad for remembering specifics in races. I've just not got the memory for it. But It could be worse, Sean. You could have got uh, actual locations that didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> Destroying that. Um, but, but yeah, I think I'm going to give it to to Melbourne. I am. I'm going to um, be a, a bit of a jingoist, and I'm going to say the British Grand Prix. Um, mostly um, because uh, Sebastian Vettel didn't make more than a, I think about eleven laps in it. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it was just a bit of a shake up on the 
on the old form with uh, Rosberg winning, um, uh, Weber second, and Alonso third. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, but that's the one I'm going to go for. I like to see a Nico Rosberg uh, win as well, which is why I'll give an honourable mention to the Monaco Grand Prix. Well, see, that's the problem really, was because the Monaco Grand Prix was fucking dull as well, because mm. um, you literally couldn't pass. Nobody no. could pass. Unless you were Sergio Perez driving into the side of somebody, <laughs> <laughs> then you couldn't pass. There was, was, was it this year that the Monaco Grand Prix, the wall came apart and everything? Was that this year? Was that, was that last year? I can't remember. Like I say, my memory is so dull. But yeah, I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to Melbourne. <clears throat> so moving on from best race, um, let's go for best. Formula One racing team. So, who is the team that you think has done the best this season? So that that can be for anything, really. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be Red Bull because they won, but it could be. You have to give it to Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, um... of their domination. But Mercedes' improvement from where they were last year to be from literally could barely even get in the top ten, struggling to qualify for Q3. To now being a team that took five, five or six pole positions this year, won several Grand Prix, massive improvement. So, I mean, officially, you have to give it to Red Bull. They were just too damn good. But go Mercedes. It's, it's one of those ones. It's one of those wards where it's like you kind of there's no other there's no other team you can give it to because they did what they needed to do to make it four consecutive constructor championships and four consecutive world titles. Particularly, go back to Mercedes briefly, is they were particularly strong with the tyre that Pirelli had turned up for 2013 with, and had it been the change, they probably would have kept on pushing on. It would have so, certainly been more open, I think. So, yeah, they, they did everything that was asked of them this year. They, they'd improved their car massively. They'd not got the tyres quite right. They were chewing up the tyres, but they were certainly nearly managing them. They'd gotten a couple of good results. And then... Obviously, the goalposts were moved, so you can't really blame them for that. So, like I say, officially you need to give it to Red Bull, but I'm saying Mercedes. Do you know you're going for Red Bull then? Yeah, it's, there's no other team you could give that to. Like, uh, we kind of, me and Sean both said, it's like you can't, the team that does the job retains the Constructors' Championship, retains the World Title, you have to give it to Red Bull. Well, um,. I don't, so I'm not going to. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to give it to uh, Lotus because um, I think they've done a, an amazing job for a team that clearly has a, a decided lack of funds compared to the teams that they're racing against. They're racing against Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull who've got to be the three most funded teams that have probably ever been in F1. Yeah, um, that's And true. they've kicked each one of those teams' asses at, on occasion, all the time. Um, they haven't been able to string it into a serious title contenders race this season, but they've been there or thereabouts in almost all the races, and I think that's that's a very impressive achievement from a team that's really still only you know sort of three three seasons, three or four seasons yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. They also almost definitely would have been a lot closer to Mercedes and Ferrari. In the last few races of the season, if Kimi Räikkönen hadn't had his pay disputes and injuries and whatnot, so 
if they had uh, if they had a, a, a motivated, happy Kimi Raikkonen for the second half of the season, in which they didn't, they probably would have been okay. They probably would have been ahead of Ferrari, maybe not Mercedes. I don't know. It would have been it would have been close. It could have easily been second, and Raikkonen could have easily been second or third in the in the World Championships as well. So. You can't. Uh, it's a it's a it's a good suggest it's a good suggestion, Andrew. Yeah. I like Lotus a lot. Yeah. I like Lotus a lot. So if we well, if we've talked, maybe, maybe not next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not next season. <laughs> Fuck them next season. Um, so moving on from best team, we should talk about who was the best driver last year. Uh, this is the same red bull one. You can't know anyone else apart from Vettel because. And I wanted to wait until he went on to best driver because um, one thing that really pisses, pissed me off about the uh, last season was the booze he was getting. And, you know, the guy, it's not Vettel's fault he's that damn good in a damn good car. Um, and he shouldn't be booed for that. I can understand frustrations of oh, it's the same old shit, different race, but give the guy his due. You don't just become a four-time world champion overnight. Dean, uh, not Dean. anyone can be a four-time world champion. Dean, would yes, you dear? would you boo John Cena? This is the thing, is John. <laughs> yeah, double standards. <laughs> double standards, no. But John Cena's things, we're, we're talking about wrestling in general, it's predetermined. You're so, they're selected. I don't know. The now, last the last nine races of this season felt like they were fucking predetermined. I don't tell you that. <laughs> I, I, I swear that Sebastian Vettel was no selling. As a fan, you pay your money to turn up as a spectator sport. Now it makes no difference. If you want to boo, you want to boo. If you went to a fucking Aberdeen Rangers game, you'd boo the Rangers team. I'd set the Rangers bus on fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not no that difference. I've done anything or attempted anything in the past to avoid me from getting arrested or for threats considering at last he just got banned for life from throwing a flare on the pitch so if I, I'm just gonna... if I pay to go to a Formula 1 race I, I, I pay my money to cheer my guy and boo his opponents like it's no different yeah. so, anyway we've discussed that fucking <laughs> far yeah, this season so um, moving on from so that are, we, are you both saying Sebastian Vettel best driver yes you can't not unfortunately sadly this is the first time I will probably ever find myself in my life agreeing with Dean Glass uh, um, you cannot, you cannot say that um, the man who can pull out thirty-second gaps on people within fifteen laps of a, you know, the end of a race, isn't something special. Um, you can argue how much of it is the car and how much of it is him. You can argue that Weber's car isn't as well set up as Vettel's because they don't want him to look as good. He's still gone out there and done it, and he has still made everybody else look second class for nine races in a row. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, until, until they turn out and, and say that Michael Schumacher has been sat in the back of that garage with a little remote control <laughs> <laughs> simulator co- cockpit and he's been doing all the driving for him. As soon as they prove that, then that's fine. You can doubt his talent. But this season, he's just proved that, you know, he's not four-time world champ for no reason. So... The thing is, as well with Vettel, is uh, who can stop him? Who can stop Vettel? I could, with a 
fucking half a brick in a sock, but I don't think I'm allowed to. I was I was waiting for that kind of uh, response there, but uh, the scary thing about Vale, he's that damn good that I don't think anyone's going to catch up to him any point soon next season. I think he's going to break record. Much to everyone's delight as it all goes pause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we all consider another season like this season. Ugh. Um... <laughs> so that's a really that's a really good moment <laughs> to move from the best things in Formula One to the worst things in Formula One. Timing, yeah, well, Dean. Thank you for that segue. That was beautiful. Um, so let's start with who is the worst team in F1 this season, and I mean this season, Sean. So you can't say Lotus for signing Maldonado for next season. Oh uh, no, I, I was gonna. The answer is obviously McLaren. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna have to agree uh, with Sean in this one because. Uh, McLaren's, well, no, their downfall. I mean, if you talk about when Hamilton left them, everyone was laughing at Hamilton for going to Mercedes, thinking that he was going to a weaker team. And it's kind of they've swapped sides this season. McLaren's development's been pissed for. Uh, maybe it'll change with getting this Danish driver, and maybe they'll kind of go back to the drawing board. And then with the history with McLaren as well, like when you think about the likes of Mika Hakkinen and David Coulthard, they've all driven from McLaren and its history in F1, their season was just nothing more than an abomination. Well, I'm going to say this to you. If McLaren's season was an abomination, what the fuck was William's season? I know. You cannot cannot come to me and say McLaren finishing um, behind the top four teams in, in the championship is worse than William's um, scraping William, ahead of the, t- the, the last two teams on the, the last couple of seasons. Sorry, Williams have been on the downslide. They won a Grand Prix last season. A uh, uh, one Grand Prix. But what the fuck? That's more than. Uh. See, yeah. I was I, I debated like putting Caterham and Malrusia, but there was no point because they're both as shite as each other. But they're and they're doing the best continue. that they can. You Williams are not doing the best that they can. And McLaren right. aren't, but McLaren right. aren't doing aren't doing it worse than Williams are. I think I think Williams's season performance this season has is 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 only a little bit beneath what I would expect of them, given their last couple of seasons, their driver lineup, etc. Whereas McLaren, to me, the gulf in what was expected from what they achieved was greater than what was expected of Williams to what they achieved. McLaren rocked up with a piss poor car. They failed to develop it all season, and and just that was it. Did and they fail to develop it? Haven't they? Say, didn't they say we, we chose not to develop it? Really, like super early on. Well, after the like the, the first three races, they went. This car is a piece of shit. There is no point in us developing it. So they haven't. They focused well, everything the in exactly the same way that Force India did it for the opposite reason. Force India stopped development on this year's car because they thought it was fucking amazing after the first three races of the season and they changed the tyres and then suddenly they were fucked and they weren't doing any development for this year's car and they were piss poor at the end of the season. So, I mean, you, you can't berate a team for saying, okay, we, we've made some bad decisions. We're not going to compound it all by trying to fix... I'm not, I, I'm not berating McLaren for choosing to develop, uh, not develop the car. I think it's probably the right decision and we'll find out next year whether it whether it is, but I just think the gulf in what they should have been achieving to what they actually achieved is, is greater than, than Williams's. I think Williams... I, I genuinely expected McLaren to be in the top four this season. Well, they only ended like, up fifth, 
<laughs> like, like, if you'd have told me that McLaren wouldn't score a podium this season, I would have said no chance. Whereas if you'd told me that Williams would have only scored a handful of points, I had to go, yeah, okay. <laughs> Probably. I mean, with I think it's most of the case we're not surprised with Williams, but with McLaren, we kind of are. I think Williams had a equally poor season two seasons back before they won the Grand Prix in Spain. So, uh, I mean, the form is there that they have been poor, whereas you weren't expecting it from McLaren. Exactly. Mental. And plus uh, for the fact they're not signing Roman Grosjean as well. Um, <laughs> but we'll get on to that. However, the next category, which is worst <laughs> driver, I wonder who I might pick for that one. <laughs> uh, there can be no other... There can be no other contender than Pastor Maldonado. He scored... One point. He was outscored by four to one by his rookie teammate Valtteri Bottas. The only people below him in the world championship were Caterham and Marussia drivers. There is no comparison. He failed to get out of Q three, uh, Q one. Sorry, I think the most times, or, it, or it nearly the most times. The amount of times he finished like fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, across the board. One tenth, one tenth place in Hungary. That's it. There is no. Other candidate, worst um, driver, Pastor Maldonado. Yep, I'm agreeing. <laughs> Not even going to dispute that, Maldonado. Um, hmm. However, I will give an honourable mention to John Eric Verne for completely failing to exist for the second half of the season. See, that was <laughs> that was that was kind of going to be. I was thinking, um, at least people were looking at Pastor Maldonado. Whereas, yeah, Jean-Rick Verne could have been driving the invisible car whilst getting a blowjob from the invisible lady and nobody would have taken any notice. He scored three points finishes in the first seven races of the season and then nothing. No position better than 12 for the next 10, 12 races. Which, uh, given that Ricardo scored something like five or six points finishes in that time, not really good for... Uh, Oh, Jeff. No, I mean there was only seven points behind them, but it was, you know, given where Toro Rosso are, that's quite a lot of, you know, that's quite. Yeah, because they're only going to be scoring one or two points at a time, you know. Yeah. So seven points is like. Plus, Ricardo was consistently getting his car into Q3, at the same point that John Eric Verne was the one of the people you were thinking was going to go out in Q1. So. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, but fuck it, pass him out a lot. Mostly because make, make sure to tweet that, Sean. Um, there's no driver should ever ever come out and accuse their team of deliberately making their their own car slower just to make him look bad as an excuse as to why you're so shit. That comment right there already gives you the <clears throat> assumption of how much of a cunt he really is. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Okay, I see. We've got the next category is the funniest moment of the year. If I'm not nominated, guys, for getting the Jersey Grand Prix, which never exists in Austin, I'm going to be pissed. No. I have to say, it has been one of the funniest moments of the F1 season. Before. You know, F1's not something that you generally sit back and go, right, let's get the popcorn. This is going to be laugh out loud hilarious. But, um, and this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to have to give it to the guy getting hit with a tyre in the pit lane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I genuinely pissed myself at that. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
watching that live, I was watching it with a friend, and we both just like once the initial five second shock of what just happened, like we just laughed. So uh, yeah, I, I, poor fella, but I'm gonna have to give it to that. Oh my god, Dean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but please drag this conversation up from the ghetto. <laughs> Uh, no pressure, Max. Cheers for this. Um, I'm going to give funniest moment. I know this is not exactly F1, but to the last podcast I was in when we had that old debate with myself and Megs where I was adamant Roman Grosjean was going to McLaren. I would bet on it. And Megs was that convinced that if it did happen, he would call me God. Um, which you don't, you know, it's a funny thing at the time when you reflect back on it knowing that McLaren are cunts for not realising that Roman Grosjean's talent. Um... This is why I can't vote them worst team, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Point well taken. Um, So, yeah, I'm just going to vote that. I haven't seen much funny moments, and I I think I did see the uh, the driver thing on Sky Sports News, but the first thing I didn't do was piss myself laughing (laughs) because I have have it so deep in my heart somewhere that still beats that, you know, the first reaction when I see it on Sky Sports News is, ouch, that had the fucking heart. Slapstick's Uh, still funny, kids. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, I've got a couple, so maybe they might change your, change your minds if I mention them. Um, the first uh, goes to Kimi Räikkönen for his amazing radio comments this season. Yeah, okay, that's um, funny too. I just remember starting with okay. yes, yes, yes. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> to you don't need to keep on telling me. I'm already doing it. Was oh, just fucking yes. brilliant. Um, <laughs> was there not? What was the one in uh, in uh, whatever the race was? Three or four from the end. Was not where he was trying to hold off Grosjean. Grosjean was much faster, was he not? Like, let me say, Kimmy, get out the fucking way. And he uh, said, Don't shout at me, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Kimmy is great, but I didn't, and, and, and didn't lol at those comments. I just sniggered, whereas the entire thing, I legit lol. So, so. The, my, my, <laughs> my actual funniest moment nomination is for Lewis Hamilton stopping in the McLaren yeah. pit box at I was the going to say that one break, as well. I was going to say that. I wet ah. myself out. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Ever. That's the funniest thing ever. Both of those are honourable second and thirds for me, <laughs> but not quite my top one. I think in the, in the interest of making this podcast that people want to listen to again, we're going to veto Sean's, <laughs> Sean's nomination <laughs> for the camera guy getting his shoulder smashed to pieces by a tyre. <laughs> I don't see how that isn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, let's get okay, the, let's I'm going to change my vote quick because you've just reminded me of how awesome it was for uh, Raikkonen's comments. I'm like, I'm fucking doing it, so I'm going to vote for that. That's my funniest moment. Brilliant. So um, let's get through the last oh, two. I just, how could we forget? But I just realised how funny F1 is. The the truck coming out. <gasps> yeah, the fire truck. In Korea. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty sweet as well. That was funny as well. Anyway, well, let's get through these last two quite quick because we've uh, we've overrun a little bit. So, um, most improved um, can be team, can be driver, uh, can be anything really, but probably team or driver. Um, uh, I'm going to go for Roman Grosjean. I yeah, think. the answer is Roman Grosjean, hands down. Second half you, of the season was. You hear that, McLaren? Any <laughs> McLaren cunts out there to listen to the podcast? You hear that? Roman fucking Grosjean, most improved. And you don't pick him, you pick some random Danish prick instead. It's about like fucking twelve years old. The proof is in the pudding here. Here's his last six results. Podium, 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 fourth, second place podium, and then a massive engine blowout. Not his fault. 
The proof is in the pudding, yeah. Roman Grosjean. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an easy one, that one. Um, yes. So compared to McLaren, who don't like to podium this season, <laughs> and the decks decide, well, all right, that's why they... just don't go for a guy that's podiums the last six fucking races. That's, eh? that's obviously why they didn't want him, Dean. It's just like, oh, I can't be bothered to walk up the stairs. You can't... Uh... Honourable mention for that category to Nico Hulkenberg, who had a very excellent second half of the season as well. Yes. But I think he already knew how talented Hulkenberg was, and mm-hmm. he was just finally getting the car underneath him. Whereas Grosjean, there was always that question mark over whether he had it in him, and now he's kind of just went, "Yeah, I do have it in me. Let's do this." So, yeah, good stuff. Also, honourable mention to Team Mercedes. Yeah, really absolutely. Most improved team is Mercedes, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Um, Considering that a lot of people thought them as a laughing stock compared to la- their performance last season, they really stepped up and that. So, uh, honourable mention to them. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, and we've finished off our season review with our shock of the season. Um, and I think there's probably only one. And this is for any anything that's happened during the whole entire season. Uh, and I still think the biggest shock of the season is that Pastor Maldonado will be driving in like this next season. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't. I can't. I can't argue with that whatsoever. Everything else I can believe. That's the one thing I can't believe. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it would be funny as fuck if he gets a podium finish in the first race of the season. Just for the irony of it all. I thought the amount of times he's been buried in this podcast. I hope he crashes on the first lap, to be honest not, with you. Not that I'm wanting him to podium finish, but I just think it'd be funny and ironic. <laughs> Compared to people getting hit, like, with a tire that's, like, a certain <laughs> mile or again, early retirement, unlike some people who think that's funny. It's shocking. The season, yeah, definitely Maldonado gone to Lotus and slightly, I guess, related to Resta not getting a drive. Just one big... I mean, who at the start of this season would have said Paul Resta will be out of a drive next season? Not many people, so... Yeah, that, to me, just... That's one ball of shock right there. Cool. So I think that uh, takes us nicely to the end of uh, the podcast and technically to the end of the F1 season. Um, yeah. We hope that everybody has enjoyed our podcast that we put out. We will continue to be putting mm. out podcasts in the uh, off-season, uh, talking over any news that pops up every time uh, something does. And also we'll be taking uh, single topics and discussing them to the nth degree. Um, we've got a load lined up, so we'll try and announce those ahead of time. So if people want to uh, phone in or uh, send questions in or send uh, their points of view in, they certainly can beforehand. All the uh, criticisms of McLaren not signing Roman Grosjean are welcome on this broadcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll see about Dean, that. Dean, we'll uh, love to have you back on again sometime. Yep, indeed. Chat. I'm going to try and beat my personal record of watching more than one Formula 1 race for the next season. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it I'm here going first. to try. <laughs> it may involve me and Sean having Formula 1 nights. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've got Sky and a 50-inch HD TV. It's a smart TV as well now. So I've got, I am so I'm coming to yours. <laughs> Nice. So, um, as always, we are the Final Lap Podcast, uh, a little amateur podcast. You find us hosted at uh, modernfanatical.co.uk. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at Final Lap Podcast. Uh, we're on the Facebook at the Final Lap Podcast, um, and you can catch us all individually on uh, on the Twitter sphere. Um, I'm at Mankle Megs. Uh, I'm at TWO underscore Magic. And I'm at TWO underscore Fury. Um, and it's worth mentioning that uh, Dean is the host of another podcast, although it's not Formula One related. It is a pro wrestling podcast uh, that he does uh, most weeks with a, a group of friends that uh, we all know and sometimes appear on. Uh, do you want to give a quick plug for the webbies and bits and pieces, Dean? 
Yeah, sure. We're just back for season two of uh, the Talk Wrestling Online Community Podcast. We're hoping to get the uh, episode up before the end of the year to sum up the uh, wrestling year in 2013. So everyone is welcome. Everyone for nominees, check it out. It's also free as well because we don't believe in uh, podcasts uh, being charged. So check it out. Uh, TWO Podcast on Facebook and TWO Podcast on Twitter. What's... Yeah, I might even appear on that myself if I get some time. What's the website, um, Dean? Is it TWO Podcast it's... or Talk Wrestling Podcast? It is twpodcast.co.uk. You have every single episode from season one to our new episodes in season two. We're hopefully going to try to get an episode up this Sunday. No guarantees, though, because we have a, a guy MIA at the moment. So hopefully, right now. <laughs> well, let's get him on. No, let's not, because we'll be here forever. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll get trolled at the end of the episode. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in again. I hope you tune into the rest of the uh, episodes for this year and then into 2014 as we head into the new season. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Have a very happy Christmas and a happy new year. And we'll see you soon. Bye.